0: Welcome to the iSmart Podcast Show with Tom Rogers, founder and CEO of iSmart Networks. We help connect entrepreneurs with key partnerships to build financial freedom. The average millionaire has seven streams of income, and our guests reveal how they created multiple streams in their businesses. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around for the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you could be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily transformational podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go.
1: All right, thanks for joining iSmart Podcast. On the show today, we have Bob Freddy. He is the CEO of Hazard Hub. Um, actually, has been fired four times from big companies, but he actually was on the cover of Target Marketing Magazine. Uh, pretty phenomenal. Hazard Hub, uh, the company that he's the CEO of, what it won five industry Shark Tanks, uh, recognized as Data Provider of the Year in 2019. Hazard Hub also is a four-year-old company has grown 15x quadrupling the first two years and then tripling its revenue in the last year so pretty phenomenal things Bob thank you so much for being on the show today
2: Thank you it's my pleasure to be here
1: so you know I want to go into a bit of your founder story but yeah and, and especially I want to go into you know how you've been fired four times I've been fired a ton you know over <laughs> my you know uh, career <laughs> of being fired um, but
2: uh, where did you where, where are you originally from? I'm originally from Boston, Massachusetts. Jamaica Plain, to be specific. Nice. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm a city kid. I live in Southern California now, and I love the weather. But uh, yeah, originally a city kid from Boston.
1: Were your parents like uh, business owners, or what did they do? Oh no,
2: no, my dad was uh, career Navy, uh, enlisted, and then was a garbage man. And my mom died when I was a kid, so it was pretty much me and dad for for most of my teenage and adult years. But yeah, it, it was. I don't come from a start your own business background. I, uh, this came to me later.
1: So it's like a you know standard like middle uh, middle class kind of family kind of situation. Yeah. And then yeah. Did you yeah. did you go to school for business at all? I, or? I
2: did. You know, my dad my dad never graduated high school, and he's like, get into the best school that you can get into, and we'll figure out how to pay for it. So I ended up getting into Cornell, and off I went. You know, which led to a lot of very comical conversations between my father and I. Um, But it gave me a skill for being able to take really complex things and break them down into the types of pieces he could understand. Uh, And he's a smart guy, but he just wasn't schooled. And so it gave me a real ability to translate complex stuff among all sorts of people. So that's the gift that I got from from my job.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So, so you graduated Cornell. What did you graduate in this specifically? What was that?
2: I graduated in, I started in engineering, realized I didn't have any talent in the sciences. And I switched over to applied economics after that. Okay. So it was uh, guns versus butter that ruled the day. <laughs> it distribution wins everything.
1: So, a, and you know, leaving college is a really interesting process. Did you, you, you just like immediately get a job after that? And that's why the four big companies and then you went through the whole firing process.
2: <laughs> no, I was I was a musician. I paid my oh. way through school as a drummer. Awesome. I'm a drummer
1: too. Rock Are you out. really? Yeah. yeah.
2: And then uh, after college, decided to make a little run at it and um, got close. But, you know, close is nice.
1: <laughs> close is fun, you know. Yeah. Close, I, had
2: a, I had a blast. It was just so much fun. But then, um, but then went into the work world probably in my mid 20s is when I got serious about it and okay. didn't really get fired the first time until you know 10, almost 15 years into my career. That's when that's when all the nonsense started to happen uh, with my move to California, especially.
1: So, you moved to California, that's that's oh, it's really interesting because you know, my journey didn't really start until I moved to California, too. You know, I was I had just had jobs, all of my jobs, you know, been really in Washington state. And, you know, and, and, then when I moved down here, I, you know, tried to get a job doing the same thing in Washington. And then I just, it, you know, I got, I got exposed to entrepreneurship in California and that just ruined me. So is that what happened to you in California?
2: Well, I think listen, I'm an East coast guy and East coast guys have a certain, like, think about all the, the idiocy that you think about when you think about East coast people. And I kind of contain most of those things kind of tough sometimes living that way out here. People are very, mm-hmm. Um, you know, do everybody's okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, right to the point. I'm a, I'm a, I'm the bull, the proverbial bull in the China shop. And so, um, I ended up getting exposed to entrepreneurship because I worked for a lot of entrepreneurs and I worked at pretty high levels in big organizations. And I was like, wow, you know, what's the difference between me and them? The difference between me and them is that they're doing it and I'm not. Mm-hmm. And, uh, hence that, that, uh, I finally got the, got the nerve to do it myself at 54 years old. So So you had, did you
1: have more creative roles like within those companies? You were like, you were kind of like rubbing shoulders with the CEOs. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's I, my background is primarily in sales and marketing, but then in my last company I switched over to technical development Mm -hmm. because of that translation ability. I could talk to a lot of different people, understand business needs, understand technical needs, put them all together into plans That would get things done. So I became a a VP of technology for a company, even though I really don't have a coding background, because I understand all the concepts and can figure out what people do and then make them all work together. That's what I do. I get things to work together. And then once they're working together, I'm like, "What else do I work on?" And they're like, "Nothing." I'm like, "Okay, I gotta go."
1: Yeah, yeah. Don't slow me down. Uh, So, so was there kind of like this moment where after the four after the fourth fire, I'm assuming. You're just like, I'm never going to do this again. What did that look like?
2: Well, we had started hazard hub as a little bit of a side gig. Um, my partner, I have two business partners and I, and, um, the last, after the last firing, it's like, why does this keep happening? And the only thing I could really think of, it's because I want to, I want to run my own show. I don't want to listen to anybody else. I mean, I have my partners and we all work together, Mm -hmm. but I want to do things the way that I want to build a company in in the vision with which I think a company should be built, like super customer focused, super inventive, you know, Mm -hmm. high value to what we do. Um, And easy to work with. Those are the main tenants of what I wanted to build. And so finally I'm like, screw it. You know, I'm, I'm 54. I've been fired a couple of times, four times, and that's a bad track record. So I started my own gig.
1: It really goes to show you, you know, I think there's, you know, there's this thing with entrepreneurship now where like, you know, it's like, oh man, dude, like I'm already like 30 and now I'm going to start in business. Like I'm already over the hill, you know, or, you know, I just, I should have, you know, for me, you know, I sometimes I think, oh man, I, if I would have gotten to business when I was 17, you know, and started and, yeah. you know, how much further would I be, you know, but you mean you started at 54 and then you've had crazy phenomenal success you know 54 so you know can you can you speak on that for a moment
2: yeah you know i think people make a lot of excuses why they don't do something and and sometimes you just have to admit to yourself you're making excuses like i always made excuses why i should never start my own business even though i had a lot of people who were like you're a you're an entrepreneur you should go be an entrepreneur um the, the, the road never ends. I mean, when, yeah, when you, go on a, when you go in the pine box, maybe that's when it ends. But until then, you know, as long as you're open and as long as you're able to, to, to see how to get things done, no reason why you shouldn't start your own. Now, it's way easier when you're younger because you like ramen noodles when you're 21. <laughs> yeah. and, and you can live in, a, in an apartment with you know, six other people and, and keep your expenses low. Right. When you have a home and a family and children independence, then it's a little bit harder. And we really had to hustle to make sure that we all had enough to eat um, in the first couple of years of company. Uh, so it is harder for older folks, but the hardest part is your mentality. It's like, you know, uh, people say, why me? I'd say, why not me? Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. You just change your mindset. And it sounds kind of dumb. People are always about mindset, but it's like, you change your mindset. Why not oh, you? It's extremely important.
1: It's like one of the most important things ever is mindset. You know, the ability to, you know, transition yourself from different planes is a, is a gift. You yeah. Know? People it's, just get stuck.
2: Oh, yeah. And listen, I get it, it. Being an entrepreneur is hard. It really, it really tests your mettle. And it's a test that a lot of people don't want to take because they're afraid that they'll fail. And I look at that as, well, you might fail, but at least then you know. So all the experiences I had in getting fired were great. I learned a ton. I, I worked for some brilliant and wonderful people. Um, I just saw things a different way. So all of that stuff that happened was great for me and I think has made our business more successful because we know what we don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're 21, maybe you don't know that. You know, but either way, it's, 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 hard. it's a challenge either way and my hat's off to anyone who manages to overcome that challenge but yeah. it's 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 uh it's way better than working for somebody else <laughs> just, just oh. do it All
1: you have to do like oh, just man, do it like so any better. anytime you know like i mean my first business idea was like a pool servicing company and it was just silly i had like a pool party kind of like spin on it and i did that for three four months didn't have any success and then and then I went to the car wash industry with another business partner and that's when I had my very first successes. But I mean, they were ridiculous. I mean, my idea was so ridiculous. I mean, it's like, but the thing is, sometimes you don't need the, you know, of the perfect plan, right? You just need to have a plan, go after it and the plan can change, right? So it's like the, the oh, yeah. kind of thing where, you know, um, definiteness of purpose. So it's like just that direction, you know, what is your main goal? What's your, what's your impact? What do you want to do? And then and plans can change along the way.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I have a friend of mine Who didn't know what to do, but he liked to walk dogs. So he started walking dogs, and people saw him on the street. He made some cards, and now he's got a multi-million-dollar dog walking business. It's crazy how much revenue he generates, and 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 it's just, you know, just show up. That's really the hardest part. Just show up. You know, Woody Allen said it, and and to quote Woody Allen is kind of like not too cool these days, but he said it that ninety percent of success is just showing up, Mm -hmm. and. And he's right. Just be there, you know. Want to be a good fisherman? Go where the fish are. Just show up. Just for know? the gym, too, guys. Yeah, <laughs> get to the gym. <laughs> yeah, get to the gym. <laughs> Want to get bigger? Get to the gym. Get to the gym. That's all you me-
1: gonna do? Show up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just show um, up. So, so that's awesome. So, so there was kind of like, was it? Was it a heated leave? Or just like kind of like, did you? Did you leave in this like? you know, aggressive, throw your, throw your chair at the, at the, at the this screen that you see
2: online and just like, I'm out of here. You, you well, guys don't want to grow, you know? Well, the first couple of times I was so shocked that it happened. They were both complete surprises. Um, which, so I, I was just shell shocked. And then I started to recognize if there's someone in the meeting who you don't know, and they say they're from HR, this is not going to end well for you. <laughs> So the last couple of times were glorious blazes of glory and complete scorched earth. And that. and it's like, hey, listen, people aren't going to hire. Once people fire you, they're not going to hire you back. Yeah. So if it makes you feel better to scorch the earth and you have a good point, go ahead.
1: I don't yeah, care. Have at it, you know. Be the bull in the china shop, you know.
2: Yeah, it's like some, listen, karma, the karmic wheel will someday spin, and I'm sure that somebody will accuse me of any of those same things and call me a jerk. Tell me, I don't know how to make decisions? And you know what? More power to them. Yeah, I like that's okay. I like the fire. I like the fire in the belly. Yep, in fact, water. we we like to if people have been fired from jobs before, we like them a little bit more than people who haven't because they got a little fire, and right. fire is important.
1: Yeah. Well, then in that case, I'm a, I'm a huge raging success. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, so you said that you, you were working on hazard hub, uh, you know, in the process of working mm-hmm. with the other company and then, you know, you kind of, then they, then they fired you. So, w- so how did that transition, you know, where you eventually were developing the hazard Hub happened when you're, when you were, or how did that kind of start? how did that develop?
2: Well, I have a theory and my theory is that you can change your life for a thousand dollars. And listen, $1,000 is, is a lot of money to some people. But for $1,000, you can change your life. The first thing you have to do is think of an idea, um, which is the hard part. That's free. The second part is you have to visualize that idea. And what, and what we did in the background is I paid a designer. I, I wrote up a bunch of screens. I paid a very gifted designer to put this into reality for me. And so we built the screens I took it to a potential customer, somebody I knew from my past and said, Hey, what do you think about this? They're like, it's great. I said, if we build this, will you buy it? And they're like, yeah, we will. I'm like, well, how about 25% down? And they said, (laughs) okay. And we, and we were off and running. That was our first year of revenue.
1: Screens. That was like a screen, like a, what kind of screen? Like a
2: a mock-up, just a
1: mock-up of of like a website.
2: Of what, well, like the, what, what the website would look like. Okay. Now we we still have that website, but it's not our primary focus. But it is what got us started mm-hmm. because people were able to visualize what we would be giving them, and they were able to say yes. Because you have to ask them for the yes. What was that twenty five percent? What
1: was that? What was that? Uh, what did that that check look like?
2: Is thirty is thirty thousand dollars? Nice. So yeah, that so was building.
1: You were what were you building for them?
2: we built a, a portal that you type in your address and it tells you all of the bad things that can happen to that address. And it's still, it's still available today. It's called freehomerisk.com. Mm-hmm. And you can type in your address and you can get a report card on the, on the property, any property in the U S that you want.
1: So this is something you're already developing. You already, you could do this, you know, you can do it. And then you kind of just developed, uh, you know, some kind of marketing material and said, Hey, you know, if this, if you, if we can do this and this is what it would look like, you know, do you want it? And then they said, yes, but you already had the software that you built or you already had the data.
2: No. Well, we had some of the data we had. We had a little bit of the data because we built data before, but it didn't, the product didn't work. It was just screenshots, screen grabs. It's like, this is what it will do. We know how to do everything, but this is what it will do. And this is where my technical training came in. Because then I could translate that to instructions to developers much much easier than than trying to you know write a spec. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you want to write a spec, always start with a picture. It's like this is what I want, and it's way easier than not starting with a picture. So yeah, we were and we had decided as a group, all right, let's just run this in the background, multiple stream of income, maybe a nice business, and then boom, I got canned, and it was like oh shit now. What
1: you, you got thirty thousand dollars. That's what you yeah, do.
2: Yeah, we got to start, and it's like, okay, off we go.
1: So, explain and Hazard Hub, yeah, like in a, in a brief synopsis, like what exactly ha- you guys do.
2: Hazard Hub tells you all the bad stuff that can happen to a property: wind, hail, tornado, lightning, fire, wildfire, floods, storm surge, ice dams, frozen pipes, all sorts of stuff like that. So, if it's a bad thing that can happen to a property, we try to measure it and tell you what the dimension of that risk is for that property. Okay. Like San Diego, you don't really have much of a risk of anything except for earthquake, uh, which is one of the things that we measure.
1: So how does that work? You know, like, so I'm buying a piece of property and I want to assess the damage on the piece of property or like, you know, that whatever hazards or risks that can happen. So would I just pay like a subscription or a one-time fee for you guys to analyze the property and then figure out what that would look like?
2: One of the big pivots that we made at the beginning of the process is we went away from the visual approach and we went to an API based approach. So most of our customers are insurance companies and real estate companies. So they'll API us an address or a latitude and longitude, and we'll return all the data to them to help them make decisions about how much should I charge for this? What are the inherent risks of this property? And do I actually want to take it on as a risk at all? And so, um, that's what we do. We return a lot of data to you. You send us one ping and we t- return almost a thousand data variables to you. Now, we yeah. still have the visualization tools. We've just started a new product called Agent Risk View, which is for real estate and insurance agents where they can type in an address and a prettier version of that API comes up. But the mm-hmm. goal is to control the data and then control the distribution of that data. That's the two things that we do.
1: Love it. That's super rad. Um, yeah. So, different it's way. Fun different ways you've been able to create revenues. I guess you're, you're launching a new product for the agents, right? Yep. Yep. Um, but the first one was just from, you know, you guys were just B2C. Yeah.
2: Uh, the first one was initially B2C. And what we found is that that's really complicated and it's expensive to build. And given the fact that we had some revenue, but not enough, and we didn't want to raise any money, we switched to B2B. Mm-hmm. So all of our sales are B2B we give away the B2C aspect of things for the time being because we're still working on developing a B2C approach. that's a little bit more comprehensive. Mm-hmm. Well, that's our, so B2B is our first part. Um, B2B for agents is our second part. And then B2C will be our third part. It's part of our world domination strategy. World
1: domination strategy. From
2: the 2020s.
1: I love it. Yeah, so it's it's such it's interesting that each one of those kind of progressed, you know, from one to the other, and then you know, creating multiple streams of revenue. That's kind of how you 15x, right? So, did yeah, you, it, was it just that one? Yeah, that one kind of product line, that one service that you did, and then you just kind of 15x it off of that one, or you got yeah. two, right? Yeah. Oh, the,
2: the the second one it adds like a 05 x. Okay, uh, okay. So it's mostly off the primary product because the, the visualization product uses the primary product. Okay. You know, so it, it, it's it's all together in the uh, in the pot. Um, it's it's challenging building so building data is relatively straightforward for us. Building software that's a, a different challenge. You know, mm-hmm. and then building B two C, it's expensive. You know, you gotta know how to manipulate your social media and your SEO strings as much as you can to get free traffic, so that you don't have to overpay for traffic, but at some point you got to buy traffic and that gets expensive.
1: Very expensive. Yeah. That definitely hits the, hits the profit profit margins. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like, if you, if you go to one of your customers and say, give me a couple of people to talk to, that's, that's great. But if you try to advertise in your market for what you do, right. It it's ridiculous.
1: Expensive. Yeah. Um, so last thing we want to talk about the show uh, is the pandemic and kind of how hazard hub and how you've been able to change. It sounds like you went another direction for agents, right? That was launched in twenty twenty.
2: Uh twenty nineteen. End of twenty nineteen. Okay, but okay. really it didn't come online until probably first quarter of this year.
1: So what happened? What happened during with Hazard Hub during that like, you know, huge hit on businesses between like March and April or so?
2: It's it's been interesting. We opened our first office in Madison, Wisconsin in September because we have a bunch of people who live in that area. And it was going great. And then the pandemic came. And so we would go to a lot of trade shows. We'd go to um, a lot of in-person meetings. That's how we sold was in person. Mm -hmm. And then you couldn't, you know, it it was gone. Um, So we did a couple of things. Um, The first is that we ramped up our marketing. Uh, The second is that we made a corporate video. If you go to hazardhub.com, you'll see a little video to explain what we're all about. Um, but also we really focused on building more data. You know, so we, we, we weren't traveling as much, so we were able to build much more um, robust data systems than we did when we were traveling all the time. Mm-hmm. What's been interesting is that COVID has freed up a lot of time for people. Um, they don't have as many meetings that they're going to during the day. So they have time and the rush to digitization um, of their business means that they need API access to data. So it's actually meant that people have been paying much more attention to us than maybe they would have had they been so busy. Wow. We, we all, we, we, uh, we think of this as sort of the junk drawer sale, like, you know, in your kitchen, you got a junk drawer and you yeah. just throw everything in it. And now with the pandemic, people are like, I got to see what's in that junk drawer. Oh, look at that. Let's organize this thing. <laughs> and And right. that's what's happened with us. It's like, this is one of those things where people are like, I know I want to do it, but i just, I don't have time right now. Well, now they have time. And as a result, we've, we've had record months, um, during the pandemic, each of the Yeah, I mean,
1: so you're months. still 2Xing the company even after four years, which is phenomenal. It gets harder yep. and harder.
2: Yep. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, I would love to 4X this year. I don't think it's going to happen. We'll 2X this year, maybe next year we'll 4X. That'd be pretty awesome. But either way, you know, we we don't have to answer to anybody because we're bootstrapped.
1: So that pivot was like more, it was like, okay, you know, we're not doing these events anymore. We're going to focus on SEO, lead generation,
2: Mm -hmm. um,
1: Facebook and Instagram. or these like social media advertising and LinkedIn, things like that?
2: We don't even, we don't use the paid advertising. We've, between my co-founder and I, we've got 25,000 LinkedIn connections and we publish every day something valuable to the industry or about the company. And it's just repetitiveness. And eventually people are like, okay, I've heard of you guys. Why have I heard of you guys? Now let's talk. And then just keep, did you cycle build going. these
1: followers? Like literally this year?
2: Uh, no, we started in 2016. Okay. Uh, when we knew we were going to do this and I had had maybe a thousand at the time and John had probably had a few more than that, but it was diligently working the network. Find the companies who want to who might be impacted by what you do, and just ask them to connect. You don't have to. The, the, the problem is that people will do that, and then they'll pitch right away. We don't even do that. We're just like, hey, let's connect.
1: So the majority and of your clients that you gain for Hazard have been through a resource of LinkedIn.
2: I would say either people we know personally, either personal selling or LinkedIn are the two. Yeah, wow. Facebook and Twitter. Twitter's a, Twitter's a hellhole. Um Facebook is really consumer oriented, although we'll test into that eventually. But LinkedIn is where it's at for B2B. That's it's really amazing. the only that's really the only place I'd go.
1: Really goes to show you, you know, guys. I like those LinkedIn is the kind of that space right now that is was really untapped. It's a Gary V thing. You know, we always talked about, you know, LinkedIn's where it's at, you know, TikTok. I'm not really into TikTok because I don't like, you know, the China-based company, and you know, so I'm not really yeah. into it, but you know, LinkedIn, I'm, yeah, it's been transformational for me. So if any of you guys, you know, aren't on LinkedIn, or aren't growing your LinkedIn, utilizing strategies to grow LinkedIn, do you have any, any kind of advice for people that are, want to grow their
2: LinkedIn? I would say try to grow in a focused manner, you know, do, do some homework, like type in the titles of the people and the types of companies that you want to reach. Um, you know, I get a lot of stuff because I'm a CEO because of my title. It's like, and it's like, no, 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 no. But if I think it's something that might be relevant to our business, I'll say yes. Um, so do a little bit of homework first. It's not hard. They have great tools for screening on there. So, and, and part of it is if people say they don't know you, then that's a ding against you. So make sure that it's at least related to the type of business that you want to attract. And like, for example, your business is based in San Diego. If you're, if you're pulling LinkedIn requests from Philadelphia, not a bad city, but not really relevant for what you do, then you get, there's no sense in building that type of communication, build targeted, decide who your audience is and build your audience that way. Posting
1: often to increase your engagement and people that are seeing you and things
2: yep every day we post except we finally started taking the weekends off because I didn't like posting on the weekends um, although we do right. it occasionally. Uh, if there's an emergency like a lot of times what we'll do is we'll say what happened yesterday was there a wildfire or a flood and what did our data show about that event did it help to show that yeah this was in an area where there was a high likelihood of that happening That's the kind of stuff that we like to post not just you know look at me kind of posts. Um, but really stuff that's relevant for the industry. It's it's very much a giving-oriented approach. Right. It's like, I'm not going to require anything of you. I'm going to give you things that help your business because human nature is that if people are giving you something and it's valuable, you kind of want to talk to them more than if somebody's just like, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my uh, stuff, buy
1: my stuff. So it's really irritating on LinkedIn when you see you know, all the, all the requests, let's have a consultation. Let's, let's, let's talk, you know, let yeah. me sell you my goods. I'm like, dude, like, I like the, that book, The Go-Giver, because it talks about, you know, just you got to go give first and then yeah. you, through that process, you're going to end up receiving, but people don't think, you know, I got to provide value first or unique enough value that makes them feel literally like special, you know, they have to feel special.
2: The one thing I did I can't remember which book I read it in or if it was from a LinkedIn. I can't remember where it was from. But the one question I always ask is how can I help? That is how we drive our business. It's a help oriented business. Now we're small ish and we have the luxury of doing that. Maybe if you're in a giant corporation, you can't. And that's the thing I think that really annoyed me the most about these giant companies. It's like, what about your customer? How are you helping your customer? You know, where does that come in? And for the most part, it wasn't about helping your customer. It was about avoiding costs associated with helping that customer. I'm like, that's the wrong mindset. So my first question is always, how can I help? And if I can't help, that's okay. But at least I know I've made the offer. And as long it. as it doesn't involve giving you cash, that I can't help you with that. But <laughs> but yeah. advice or, or or connection to people who I know, I'm happy to do that stuff because that's, that's – I guess a service-oriented business model is what we do. we, yeah. we, we serve. We serve to serve.
1: Hundred percent. So with Hazard Hub, you know, uh, is there anything that you guys are looking for right now, or any kind of certain? What's your ideal client, or your ideal kind of person that you know would reach out and really benefit from Hazard Hub? Would it be these, you know, real estate agents, or you know, maybe these larger corporations? What would it look like?
2: I think there's really two right now. The first is companies who need to assess the risk of their properties, primarily insurance companies in the property space. Um, That's where we live. Um, The second is companies who serve that market. We have a very robust partnership program because frankly, I'd rather not do the selling. I'd rather have my partner do the selling. So companies that sell into that market, we partner with uh, and prefer to partner with than selling directly. And then the third is the individual level um, insurance agent or real estate agent who wants to help understand what the risks are of the property. So they can give it to their insured and say, Hey, here's what the data is saying about your property. This is why your insurance costs a certain amount of money mm-hmm. and go from there. So those are the three. Yeah. Mitigate
1: um, some costs afterwards. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So, you know, how do they, how do they reach out to you, out to you uh, Bob? What are they, what's, what's the standard process?
2: You can reach me directly at Bob at uh, if you want to check it out first, you can go to hazardhub.com and see the site, and then there's a form in there to contact us. You can go to the Agent Risk View platform and see a sample, or you can go to Free Home Risk, which are our three main properties, and get a report for your house. If you like that report, then you call us up.
1: Awesome, and your LinkedIn as well. I'm sure you're pretty active on there, so they can. Oh yeah, yeah. That.
2: It's Bob Freddy. The, there aren't too many Bob Fradys out there, especially one who is as old as i am
1: so um <laughs> i love it you're not that old you know you're doing great you, you're like you know it reminds me of like the uh you know the ray crock mcdonald's kind of thing he started started his business a little bit later on that's amazing success so yeah um, you know sounds like you guys are doing really really well i'm going to continue well hope you get to that tripling like you did last year on this year because i know you're looking at doubling it i'm sure Oof, you know these things you're going to work in uh, we'll have to touch base a little bit later in next year and see or later on in the year and see how everything's going. So appreciate you being on the show. Look forward to it. Take care.
2: Cheers.
0: Thanks for listening to the iSmart Podcast Show. If you are a business owner with multiple streams of income or professional who would like to be on the daily program, please visit iSmartNetworks.com slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you do that, tag us with hashtag iSmartPodcast. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. What do you win? We'll promote you and your business to our media fans totally free. Can you also hook us up in your podcast player right now? Please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We've promised to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. While you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow. That's right seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Thanks for listening. And thank you for being a part of the iSmart podcast.